Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Wakis-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. The way to get started is to quit talking and start doing. Walt Disney, my peak performers, how are you doing today? Welcome to episode 128 of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. I'm Henneke Watkins-Porto. Today's episode is with Leslie Bradford-Scott. Leslie is an award-winning over 50 entrepreneur who started a bath and body gift company in her farmhouse kitchen, building it into a multi-million dollar brand. I'm looking forward to having this conversation on the power of small starts for big wins. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you for having me, Hanukkah. Absolutely. Before we dive in, have you ever visited Jamaica? I have, actually, a couple of times. Ah, what do you like most about it? The hospitality, for sure, and it's also a beautiful country. Oh, I'm glad you like it. So when you're coming back, be sure to make sure that we get connected. Absolutely. So we're going to be talking about the power of small starts for big wins. Now we're going to ease our way into our conversation. And first, I want to start off by asking you, what was your childhood like? I had a really uh, difficult childhood. Um, my father was a convicted drug dealer. And I had learning disabilities uh, that were unrecognizable, uh, unrecognized at the time. And so I ended up being a high school dropout. And then my, um, my brother, who was my closest ally, was hit by a drunk driver when he was 19 and I was 16. And he was killed. And so I joined the U.S. Coast Guard, actually. It was a rebellion against my father. I wanted to chase drug dealers and, uh, and then rescue people from the stormy seas. During that time... What was your mindset like? What kind of frame your state of mind for us? Well, back then, uh, it was the 1980s, and most people uh, aspired to get a university education, college education, and I knew I would never. My father always said I wasn't smart enough to go to uh, to university. Um, he paid for my sister to go. Uh, she went to law school. And I was just sort of waffling around, not quite sure what to do with my life. But uh, the adventure of the Coast Guard was the first thing that attracted me and set me on a certain path. Uh, but it wasn't too much longer. I was about 21, 22 years old. So I joined when I was 17. I, I became an emancipated minor. And uh, I met my husband, which was not a great match. It was a very stormy marriage that lasted about 15 years. And I found myself uh, about 35 years old, uh, single with no child support, two kids and no resume. Um, so I ended up getting a job selling cars to put food on the table. You wanted to rescue people. You're, you're saying, you know, that's how you end up into the Coast Guard. Now, during that period of your dormy life, so you wanted to rescue persons, but did you think that you had that strength because you had gone through so much? So where did that strength and that drive and that wanting, yearning to rescue others, you could have easily said, you know what, um, I experienced this, so I don't care. I, I just 
just feel that I was born as a positive person and I always wanted to do good in the world. And I saw how much bad my father was doing and I, I wanted to be the opposite of that. Um, and it just felt um, in my life, I wanted some purpose, some some greater good to be served. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe a little bit about that or maybe a lot of, of that was in turn rescuing myself. Right. So you started out, you know, you felt that you were born as a positive person. And of course, you have a purpose. But what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated to and we're going to be touching on, you know, the whole entrepreneurship thing in a bit. But what what kept you going? What kept me going all those years was to think about what deeply do I want in life? What what was I made to do? And that took a long time to figure out. As a child, I really wanted to be a writer. That was my passion. And I wanted to fly airplanes. And so as I went along from one sort of leapfrogging from one thing to another, I was always drawn back to that, but I didn't know how to make a career out of those things. So, and it felt that I was getting farther and farther, but I kept winding back to that and trying to find a stepping stone of something in the moment that I could be interested in that would propel me in a positive direction. It wasn't going to be writing at times or flying, but uh, that wasn't realistic, but it was something I would latch onto something that would keep my attention in a positive way. And did you ever find that thing that kept you going to, you know, to latch onto in a positive way? Did you find it? For the moments in my life, some things worked maybe for a year or two or three, and then that would get me to the next phase. So for example, when I started selling cars to put food on the table, I wound back to my writing desires and I said, okay, is it too late? I'm, you know, 35 years old. Is it too late to become a writer? Well, I had a lot of time in a car dealership standing in front of the showroom windows waiting for customers. So (laughs) I put a lot of board time. So I put post-it notes in my pocket and I studied the art of screenwriting through books that I got at the library. And I wrote an award-winning screenplay on post-it notes while I was waiting for customers. In my childhood, I'd failed English twice. So I just taught myself at the age of 35, I taught myself the art of creative writing. I taught myself um, grammar. And it was the very first contest I entered. And then I went on to win other awards for other screenplays that I wrote. You wanted to write, always had that desire, but you really, you you flunked English twice. During the time that you're waiting, you're actually actively waiting on customers. While you're actively waiting on customers, you weren't passively waiting. So you're doing something in the meantime, you're waiting. And that uh, earned you awards, right? For your, for your screenplays. That is just so amazing. And these are the stories that I like to tell, you know, on this show, on the entrepreneurial you, because it's inspiring and as simple as a post-it notes may seem, there are so many stories that get told on post-it notes, you know, um, people just jotting down things, starting businesses on post-it notes. And as we're talking about, you know, businesses and starting different things, you discovered entrepreneurship, right? And, um, and um, I dare say you're now over 50 and you are into entrepreneurship. How did it begin for you? When did you decide that, you know what, entrepreneurship, this bug, I am bitten by it and I'm going to try it out. 
Well, Hanukkah, back to the car dealers <laughs> I, <laughs> and the writing. So my, my screenplays um, almost got purchased. They got actually a couple of them got optioned, but I never actually sold them and they never went on to be produced. So I knew, okay, well, this isn't working out, but I'm going to keep writing. I'm going to keep writing until I become an author. And I don't care if it takes till I'm 75 years old. I'm just going to keep working at it because I'll get better and better at it. And But I've got to find another way to pay the bills. And the car dealership wasn't going well. It was a very uh, male-dominated, sexist environment. And uh, once I raised my kids, I thought, you know, I've had enough of this. And I literally took some savings and quit my job, went and got a little cabin on a river in the wilderness. <laughs> and <laughs> I did. And I thought, I'm going to go and I'm going to write. I don't know if it's going to come to anything, but I'm going to take a break. It's been really hard raising these kids. I've had a, a very tough life. I'm just going to go sit by a, a river and write all day for nine months. And I did until I ran out of money. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then I got a job in a, um, a recreational dealership, which is far, um, far better. And, uh, and then it was there. Uh, it was on a trip, a hiking trip to a provincial park where I met my husband, who I hired to fly me in on a float plane and drop me off in the wilderness. And on the way out of the park, uh, when he picked me up that Sunday night, uh, he asked me out. <laughs> and All right. Said, so you weren't married at the time. No, mm. I had I had been divorced for many, many years. And um, so I went, uh, I did eventually go out with this man who became my husband. And that's when the entrepreneurial bug set in. All right. So stick a pin as they say, because um, we're coming right back to that. Now, you've mentioned being in the wilderness about two times since our conversation started. And the wilderness is actually and usually a metaphor for a very dark place, right? A place where there isn't anything going on and you're, there's some amount of confusion there. But in the midst of your wilderness and all the various, the, the met, you know, when you want to be left deliberately in that wilderness, it's a place of self-discovery for you. Wow, did you ever hit that on the head? <laughs> <laughs> the stormy seas, the wilderness. Mm -hmm. It's an internal. The external is a reflection of the internal, isn't it? Absolutely. And there's just so much in that story in and of itself. But we come back to the very um, place of, you know, you starting out as an entrepreneur. So just tell us about the journey. What was it like in the beginning? What have you know, what, how did you start the emotions and everything? Just paint a picture for us. You are a creative writer. So do paint a picture for us. Okay. <laughs> so my husband and I found this neglected farmhouse. Uh, it, the farm was established in 1850 and it had these beautiful historic barns and they were falling apart. And my husband was a, farm, a farmer in his previous life. And um, so we looked at it and I really wanted to change. And he said, well, we could afford to buy it, but we can't afford to save those historic buildings. And you need an income because you're not retired and nor can you retire. So how are you going to, how are we going to accomplish all of that here? I said, okay, well, if we move here, I'll figure it out. And so we did. <laughs> and then and then it was like, oh, wow, what am I going to do now? So I tried a bunch of things. It turns out I don't have a green hum thumb. Yeah. And I you and I both. That I yeah, yeah. We love to see it, though. But yeah, we just don't get along well with it. <laughs> That's it. And so I thought, what is a problem I can solve? 
And then I thought, what are the problems that were in my life throughout the time I, I had a family raise my kids? And I circled back to my little rescue hack. So whenever I felt I was up against the wall and I was totally going to fall apart and I couldn't afford to go on a vacation because I was always broke, I thought, I'm going to take a bath. And that 20 minutes in the tub with some music and some candles, and I'd lock the door and I'd tell the kids, don't even open that door. Like, do not disturb me. And they knew it. And that 20 minutes just hit the reset button for me. And I put on my nice fluffy pajamas, crawl into bed, and the next day I'd wake up renewed and ready to take on the world again. And so I had a lot of those baths. Mm. (laughs) And so I thought, okay, wait a minute. First of all, I really appreciate natural aromatherapy products. I I have a mixer in my laundry room. Why can't I make beautiful basalts and instead of just calling them like lavender vanilla, why don't I name them for the life experiences that we need to get through like the week from hell Mm. or fix almost anything Mm -hmm. or dear mom. And then people can buy them as gifts for, for friends that they love as a little something that they can put a smile on their face. And so I did that and I made everything in my, uh, my kitchen mixer, five bottles at a time. My husband and I labeled the bottles at the table and then I'd fill up my pickup truck and I'd say, I'm not coming home until all of these cases are sold. And I drove around Ontario carrying 55 pound cases up and down main street and, and knocking on stores and I sold them. And that's how I started the business. So you actually started very, very small and you were actually filling a need. Um, one that you've, you, you had for yourself. It was a very practical solution. I listened to you talk and I'm thinking right now to the very moment that I'm going to be sitting in my own tub, soaking in some, um, you know, bath salts and, and all the various, you know, wonderful aroma kind of a thing. And I'm thinking about it. So it's a real problem. You know, we, we talk so much about the hustle, but too, too little time are we looking after ourselves that self-care that is needed to go on so with that start that you had I want you want you to know share with us where you are at this point with your business Leslie and um, yeah share with us at this point where you are so I'm currently 54 years old and the business has grown to we're a multi-million dollar company and when did you start when you what age did you start I started at 49 so we just had our fifth birthday this month June 14th and I have grown it to over 2,500 retail outlets in Canada and the United States we're in every single state and province and we make over 85 products for men women and now we make natural pet care Mm -hmm. and what's the brand called Walton Wood Farm. Why that name? That was a legacy name from my husband's farm from when he was younger. Interesting. So it has a lot of history and and, and so the, the history plus the experience makes it a product that, of course... Um, persons want to be a part of sharing that experience. Absolutely love that. So now a multi-million dollar company. And usually, you know, we see the bigger picture we a lot of people they see persons in entrepreneurship they see their wins and they don't think about the struggles oftentimes that persons have gone through they don't think about the challenges no i hear i hear the outcome of all of this right had i not known the backstory and everything what 
has been your greatest failure on this journey? My failure to understand how important hiring is Mm. and creating a company culture. So it's exceedingly important to not just think about the products that you're developing, but the culture that you want to live in every single day because you are married to that culture Mm. and you have to protect it fiercely. And that all comes down to having the right team. And having the right team means as an entrepreneur, we're not really good at taking the time to look at the details and hiring is a whole different skill set. And as an entrepreneur, you have to wear all the hats at the beginning, which means you do all the hiring. And I did not take the time to really understand the skill of how to hire a team properly. And when you get the wrong people on board, it creates misery every single day. Tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Had I, Hanukkah, had I got that right from the beginning, if I'd really become a student of hiring, I would have presented, prevented, I'm going to say 90% of my pain. Well, you know, I was just, I had a conversation earlier with a, with an interviewer. I was on the other end of the mic and uh, we were just talking about some of the things that I learned. And one of the things I said to him was that all my failures, I actually consider it my MBA. Like I don't have an MBA. I have no interest in doing one. Uh, but I consider those failures my my real life MBA because they have taught you so much. And now I'm sure, Leslie, you know exactly what to look for when you're hiring. You know the telltale signs. Um, you know, as you see them, those red flags, you can nip, nip them in the bud and so on. So it's, you know, it, it's a failure, but I'm sure that you've now managed to mitigate against it. And, and, and if so, just tell us how you have been doing that. It's funny you mentioned about the, the MBA, because I always feel like I, I call, I say I have a pocket MBA. <laughs> <laughs> And, and a million dollar brain mm, <laughs> because absolutely. of all those failures. Those failures, are, they might have been expensive, but Henneke, aren't they? They are valuable failures because they go into your brain trust, your brain equity. So I follow the guidelines in a book called Who?, which is probably the best publication on hiring I've ever read. I listen to podcasts on hiring and then I follow those best practices because there's a lot of people who've done this well before me Mm -hmm. and have figured it out. So I I use those best practices and I'm very careful about monitoring the situation and making sure that as flags come up, I immediately address them and let instead of letting them stew. So I am a big believer of the higher, slow, fire fast mentality. Absolutely. And you as you pretty much what you've alluded to is that success leaves clues. And so even as we talked about your your biggest failure and you've acknowledged that in terms of the hires and some of the bad, you know, wrong choices that you would have made. What has been your biggest success on your journey from starting small so that you're now winning big? What has been your biggest success, would you say? I'm going to say it's grit. Having grit to grind out absolutely every day in and day out, seven days a week, just going hard at it. And even though there's days when you want to throw up in your, your hands and say, I quit, Having the grit to push through it. You can have everything in the world, but if you don't have the grit to push through the dip, you have nothing. Absolutely. I quick to tell people, you know, that I may be the least talented person I know, you know, but no, you cannot. I dare you to outdo me when it comes on to grit, perseverance and determination. And, <laughs> and that is what makes the difference. 
Cheers to that, Hanika. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Oh my gosh, your 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 biggest success is, is the grit. And what has that, would you say, done for your business? It's allowed it to survive in a highly competitive environment. Consumer consumer product companies are a dime a dozen. There's a lot of people. It's easy to start up a business. That is simple to do these days. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of noise. And there's many uh, venture-backed companies with 10, 20 million in seed money that can go out and buy customers. So it's allowed me to be fierce. We still own 100% of the company. And it's allowed me to be fierce in my commitment to push through all that noise and still find success out there in a crowded world. Somebody's listening in right now and is getting so inspired and has gotten so inspired from your story, Leslie, you know, about the power of small starts for big wins. What would you say to that person right now who wants to start out, launch out into the deep as an entrepreneur, uh, but may think, oh, I don't have the, you know, the resources, I don't have the money, I don't have the support. What would be, would be your best piece of advice right now? Well, the first thing I would do is vet myself as an entrepreneur. And there's ways of doing that online. You can pull up all kinds of um, questionnaires about, do I have what it takes to actually do this? So vet yourself because there's no sense in in taking the first step. If you don't really want to do it, you have to really want to do it. And sometimes you just need a little bit of self-reflection to decide. And um, and there's lots of information to help you along. And secondly, when you do take that first step, know that you're going to have a lot of failures and just to become friends with failure. And as we just discussed, those failures are very valuable. And you'll be able to probably sell that information one day as <laughs> So just put it in the bank. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can make some withdrawal at some point, huh? Yes, that's right. Oh, my gosh. It has been such a pleasure, Leslie. Um, as we close out, I'm going to ask you to share your contact information. Where might our peak performers get in touch with you? As well as I know prior to our conversation here, you did share that you have some giveaways from Walton Wood Farm. Yes, we have my favorite collection, the Week from Hell collection, <laughs> to help you get over any rough spell in your life and get you started on your entrepreneurial journey because you're going to need some of that. <laughs> mm, yes. And it's $150 worth of that. Yes, that's correct, of that collection. So it comes with hand creams and sugar scrubs and basalts and lip balms. Uh, I feel jealous of that person who's going to get it. No. Anyway, so just tell us about your contact information, the various platforms that you're on. So we are on Instagram and Facebook at Walton Wood Farm. That's W-A-L-T-O-N-W-O-O-D Farm. And WaltonWoodFarm.com. Just hit the contact form and reach out and ask for Leslie. Leslie Bradford Scott, what an inspiring conversation. Thank you for being so open, sharing about your backstory and journey and where you are today. Truly appreciate that. Thank you for having me, Hanika. Your insightful questions were absolutely a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you, my peak performer, for tuning in to this episode with Leslie Bradford Scott. I look forward to connecting with you next week. 
Until next time, you know, I always remind you to go and visit HennekaWatkinsPorter.com where you can shop for t-shirts and cups and other merchandise. You can get resources to help you level up. You can read the blogs. You can, you know, binge on past episodes of the Entrepreneur New Podcast. So just go check it out. And if you find it of value, please do share it with your friends, families, colleagues, or whomever. It doesn't matter. Just share. Okay. Sharing is caring. Remember, you were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. What good? Attention! LeaderCast Women is an inspirational one-day leadership event featuring renowned female leaders. Male and female audience members alike will leave LeaderCast Women with the tools they need to become leaders worth following. Attend the event via simulcast at Nutsford Court Hotel on October 18. To learn more, visit HennekaWatkinsPorter.com or call 849-2571. We needed to raise capital, but our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious and slow to act, and interest rates were far too high. We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing? or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experienced transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas, and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876-967-3271 to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange.